It's very inspiring to other kids that, you know, get involved in the arts, get involved with something because you never know where it'll take you. Even if they don't have perfect technique, at least they know that they need to do something with their ballet or other people. Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Rob. And my name is Anna Aguilera. On this episode, we're talking to Copper Rust, who shares with us about her career as a dancer, her time with the Royal Academy, and how her career took her to work in Africa. Cooper Rust is a Columbia, South Carolina native and currently resides in both Nairobi, Kenya and Columbia. She graduated from Dreher High School and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Her professional ballet career includes seasons with the Nevada Ballet Theatre, State Street Ballet and Columbia City Ballet. Miss Rust serves as the ballet mistress of Anne Brody's Carolina Ballet and the adjunct faculty at the University of South Carolina. She has volunteered with the AIDS Benefit Foundation of South Carolina Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Las Vegas, and Anos Africa in Kenya. In 2012, she founded Artists for Africa and directed the inaugural show. Cooper, welcome to Theatre Art Life. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to meet you. So, wow, you've had a very interesting dance career and trajectory uh, with what you've done. And, and so tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into dance and then and started this trajectory over to Africa. Well, I started dancing, I think, the way a lot of um, people do in, in the West, in the States, and in Europe. I saw The Nutcracker when I was about two or three years old and said, I want to dance more than anything, and just never, ever wavered from that. That's a bit more unusual. Um, but with a lot of uh, athletes and ballet dancers, I think that's what we do. We, uh, we decide when we're really little, we want to dance. And then, yeah, ballet was just for me. For, forever, for, for more than 30 years now. And so, yeah, I, I trained growing up in South Carolina. And then by the time I was 12, 13, was traveling to New York to the School of American Ballet or to Florida to the Air Conservatory for full-time school and training. And then I uh, kept going and became a professional dancer for about 10 years before I, I moved here to Kenya. So that was a, a fairly normal for a ballet dancer. Um, but uh, then... In 2012, I'd been going to UNLV during uh, to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas um, at night and on the weekends just to get a degree in history. And when I graduated, I didn't have anything to do in the off season. I wasn't going to school anymore. So I, I thought I'd come to Kenya and volunteer teaching English and math, not really thinking about ballet. I was just going to come for six weeks. But of course, that quickly evolved into me asking, you know, finding a program where after school I could work with kids with ballet. Um, and that was Anna's Africa that I worked with first, of a British organization that already had arts classes set up here in Kenya. So um, I started working with them um, and then coming back every summer to, uh, to do that because I just, it was amazing to see how the kids loved to dance. There was music and drama and ballet and yeah, they loved it. And so, yeah, that was kind of how it started. And then one year I came and just never left. That was uh, 2013. (laughs) 
So, um, not, yeah, nine years ago I came and have, and yeah, now this is my life. <laughs> I'll go back to you were saying how you got to Africa. And so what triggered this interest on in Africa? You had this off time, but why Africa and why Kenya? I'm just a traveler. I uh, love to see the world. I've always loved going on tour and stuff with companies. I just never been to Africa. It's not really somewhere that ballet companies typically tour to. And also just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see the continent. And so I found it, I found a, for, yeah, for tutoring, I found just an online uh, organization that um, organized trips. And Kenya was one of the places that you could come and Honestly, it was the cheapest flight um, for the like three places. So it was just by chance that I ended up in Kenya. But it, it is such an incredible place because while it's very, it's very African, East Africa is beautiful and it has like all the good parts and all the hard parts. But then it's also quite, um, Nairobi is a city of 9 million. We have fun restaurants and you know, a nightlife. I mean, not that I have a life, but um, for people that do, <laughs> like Nairobi's um, a great, great city. So um, it was easy to kind of fall in love with here um, once I got here. But yeah, just by chance. So tell us about Artists for Africa, and and you. This is your your project and your your initiative. What drove you to start that? So after um, I got back to the states in 2012, I thought I think we can raise the money for this. British program and we did that first. I just held a fundraiser. Um, my sister's an attorney in the States in South Carolina and she helped me set up a proper 501c3 charity through the American government. So at first it was just going to be to raise money for other projects. And, and and that was super fun. We just hold and we still do this. We're going to hold the 10th annual this year, um, Artists for Africa performance event where friends of mine who are um, in theater or music or dance donate their night and we um we used to run a little tiny space or we used to be given a little tiny space columbia music festival association but now we have a much bigger space because we have a bigger audience and um we just all come together and perform small bits and um get restaurants to donate wine and those are the the big things that artists for africa does to help support what's going on over here but now yeah that's really my sister's organization now because um I'm just here and she's there and she she runs it and we're a good team. That's um, my sister, Bree. What do you think in terms of what's the differences from, you know, working in that community and, and perhaps working back in the U.S. with regards to teaching ballet or, and cultural differences? Obviously, ballet is such a Western discipline in its history, right? So is there attraction for it and do they do other they sort of more own dance style styles as well like how does that all work over there well at first the one of the biggest reasons that I completely moved was because in working in the humble areas in the slums we were only do able to do like ballet class once a week and so that's when I started my my studio here dance center Kenya to su support this um but also bring in children of means so now, now we have a ballet studio where we can seriously train. And that's what was really different um, here in, in, in Kenya was giving the kids a chance to go onto a, a pre-professional level. And, and that's now what is changing the whole thing. So now we have Kenyan kids, which yeah has never happened before, going into, going into schools like English National Ballet in London or going into companies like Joffrey Ballet of Chicago 
And now it is becoming part of Kenyan culture. But those guys still, I mean, if you're at a like at a cast party after a ballet with them, they'll still bust out some traditional African moves. And it's amazing. But that's what's happening to ballet right now is it's becoming more accessible to people of different um, ethnicities and, and backgrounds. And um, there are, yeah, it's, it's, it's changing. And I, I think we're just part of that because it's really incredible how naturally Kenyans and take to, I mean, they're incredible ballet dancers. One, just uh, an amazing sense of rhythm, uh, beautiful long lines. Um, they're, they're great ballet dancers. So it was just a matter of training and having the opportunity. And yeah, and now we're just trying to change. I think the, I think everybody's trying to change the face of ballet right now, kind of like everything. And that's been going up. But, but what is kind of frustrating is that's not brand new. People, it's not like from the 2000s, like Dance Theater of Harlem in New York's been going on since the 1950s. And so there, there has been an element of different races being in, in ballet. It's just more prevalent now because it's more prevalent in everything right now. Yeah, and also, I mean, ballet, no matter what dance style you end up doing, is such a great foundational training for any kind of professional dance, you know, um, or dancer because of its, I guess, I mean, maybe you could probably articulate why that why that is from a dance perspective. And, and, and actually I would be interested because I'm by no means, and me and Anna are definitely not dancers, we are the backstage people, but I have worked with dancers for many years and I can tell you one thing I do know is that I can tell a dancer if they've had ballet training or if they haven't. And I don't know what I can pick, but there's something about a person that's done ballet training that you can see on stage. And I, I, what do you think that is? It's 100% technique. It's just that with ballet, everything's got a place. Everything has its the post, like our posture, your knees have to be completely straight, your feet are pointed lines, which is something we talk about a lot so that like, your ankles are an extension of your legs, which go into your, t- like the whole thing is longer. And so um, once somebody's trained, like truly trained in ballet, yeah, they, they, they're just more in control of every bit of their body. So then if you're becoming a hip hop dancer and somebody wants your elbow at an exact angle in an exact way, you have the control to place it just where they're talking about versus dancers who only trained in freer styles where you don't have that exact placement. And I, I think it's also just the way we, it's really repetitious. We do ballet class every single morning of your life. Um, I still take, I mean, I, I, I still take class every day and it's just a little bit more obsessive, I think, than other dance styles. Once you're a ballet dancer, you're a ballet dancer. But um, one of my, one of my, so I've adopted 12 kids now or 14 kids now, uh, 12 are here that live with me. And um. One of my girls, Pamela, wants to actually go into commercial dance, not ballet. She wants to maybe dance in my or in like Orlando or on a cruise ship or something like that. But her ballet training is impeccable and it'll make her so much more hireable because you can rehe- also just rehearsal time is decreased so much when people's technique is where it's supposed to be. So you want to hire those, those t- well-trained ballet dancers to yeah, do all kinds of dance work. I think it's worth mentioning the the work you're doing with Dance Center Kenya and these kids that you help uh, like foster and nourish and kind of give them other means that they wouldn't have necessarily so they can keep dancing, literally. Dance Center Kenya is a totally different organization from Artists for Africa. They're sister organizations for sure. 
In 2015, I was able to um, start my own studio here. And it started in a little tiny yoga yoga studio. And I had like 60 students. And it was just a little tiny baby studio. And now we've got um, three centers across Nairobi, um, each with two or three studios within them. And um, before COVID, we had over seven, we had about 700 students. We dropped down to like 110 students during COVID, but now we're back up to over 500. So we're coming back. But that's what it's a really cool project because the Artists for Africa sponsored students come here on scholarship and they dance right next to students of kids from the U.S. Embassy or from the U.N. kids or people of means here, like just normal middle class families in Kenya whose kids want to dance. And when they are now they're growing up with those people and there's no difference. They're all good friends. Um it, sometimes they're they even date and uh, <laughs> fun and like they're just normal teenagers. But it's giving perspective to the children of means that, to know that they're that just because someone comes from a humble background doesn't mean that they're not any but less ballet dancers. They can out like it's whoever can do the most pirouettes. It doesn't matter if your mom's an architect or if your mom sells samosas on the side of the road. It's it's just who can who who's the best or who's the kindest or who's the coolest, you know, just like any other group of teenagers. So um, that's really cool. And so the Artists for Africa, um, so now, so yeah, so we started the Artists for Africa boarding house, which has had 14 kids live in it. Two are already gone. And the 12 that live there now are all students at Dance Center Kenya. They work together and it's amazing to, to kind of give that opportunity to, to both the children of means and to the disadvantaged kids. Yeah, I mean, it must be amazing to be providing these pathways and opportunities in in that area. And and you said you adopted how many kids? Um, fourteen. I act as their legal guardian. Most of them have single moms, um, but they live with me and have lived with me many of them for like seven years now, uh, five to seven years. Um, I have six new little boys who are all now about twelve years old. Who I who I've only had for two years. But all the rest I've had for five or, or more years. But yeah, so 12 of them live with me now. Joel, um, my eldest, is with Joffrey Valley in Chicago. So he's been gone for four years now. And Francis, my second, is in, at Cameron University. He, um, in Oklahoma, he uh, has decided to take his ballet and kind of change it up. And he wants to become a lighting designer. So he's doing a bachelor's of theater in lighting design, which is amazing. Uh, my, my next eldest, Elsie, who's still here, is is applying for schools in the U.S. for physical therapy. So, like, she also, it's not that if you come into our house that you have to become a ballet dancer, but they <laughs> to, um to either become ballet dancers or um, find careers that kind of, that, that this is, that ballet got them there somehow. And it's certainly influencing what they're, what they're choosing to do. Super cool. It must be a busy household, though, right? Yeah, uh, I just got finished making breakfast for everybody. It is uh, it's such a good time. If you ever get a chance to come, everybody's always welcome at our house. Um, we have an open door policy, uh, but it's um, it's super fun. It's loud. That's one of the best parts is watching these kids. Here in Kenya, corporal punishment is still prevalent in all schools and fam. Not all, but most schools, most families. So there's lots of beatings. There's lots of um, hard times. And then, um, which results in kids being really quiet and withdrawn and children are just to be seen and not heard here and in not every house, certainly, but just generally in the culture. So that when I first get these kids, it's 
really just incredible, incredible to watch them transform from withdrawn, shy, serious kids to wild, crazy, artistic nut jobs who um, <laughs> do whatever they want. And we have a lot of dancing and a lot of, we don't have a TV. So instead we have speakers and there's a lot of um, all night dance parties. Yeah, and, and now they all go to American uh, school. They go to West Nairobi School and, and American International School. I have sponsors for them to go to one of the best schools in, in Kenya. And even watching them go from a system, the 844 Kenyan system, which is based on just memorization, to this broader thinking, logical thinking, kind of you can't just write the same answer, schooling, it, it annoys them. But um, it's, I think helping them develop into kind of more thinkers than just repeaters. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really an incredible project. I don't, I hope that they all turn out to be nice people. We're trying, uh, you don't, I don't think any parent knows what's going to happen until, you know, somebody turns 40, but we'll see. Yeah. You never know. You got to just put the, keep putting the drops in the bucket and hope for the best. I say. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> But uh, they all still have good days and bad days. There's still like it's more. There's still emotional stuff, especially with the guys who have left when the when they know their biological families back home are struggling and they're in school. And it's hard to explain to your seven uncles that yes, I'm in America or yes, I'm in the UK, but I still don't have any money because I'm just a student. And so there's a lot of pressure for um, for them to to give back before they're really ready to give back, which kind of stinks. But, you know, we all have things. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. But it's super cool that just the number of doors that ballet opens to all those different paths. Like, I don't think I would ever thought that physiotherapy was an option as a career when I was growing up. And just to to have that option, to just know that it's a possibility, I think it's wonderful. Oh, yeah, thank you. I um. I, that's that's one of the it was a worry at first because ballet is so competitive and like what if we get these kids to study ballet every single day all their lives and then you know it doesn't work out you show up for auditions now and there'll be two jobs and 600 people auditioning and that's that's scary and stressful but there are so many jobs in the performing arts that yeah good ballet training can help you with and um i, I try i'm trying to i tried to convince elsie who's the one going into physio that uh she should study costume design because <laughs> I need a costume. <laughs> 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 That's yeah. fine. Um, but, um, 
Yeah. I mean, and even George, um, one of my eldest now, he's eight, he just turned 18. He's in 11th grade. Um, we stayed back a year just for, um, to catch up when switching to the American system. So he just turned 18, but graduates next year in 2023. He's looking at going into business actually. And after traveling to the US a few times, he was like, I just didn't know that corporate life supports the arts. And so he wants to bring that mentality. Up. He's, he, yeah, he wants to be a CEO one day that discusses corporate responsibility in the community um, here in Kenya. And that's so important. Like, you can't have arts organizations without banks that write checks and without we're, we're supported by Safari Comet Dance Center, Kenya, the biggest uh, uh, telephone or uh, cell phone provider in, in Kenya. And you, you really can't have the arts without those, those supports. And I love that. That's what George has decided his angle on this is going to be. He wants to, I think uh, he's going to go to my university, hopefully the university of Nevada and um, study both business and dance and um, dual major. So, uh, which would be great. And, yeah, maybe someday talk some big corporations into donating, which we need. That's always, yeah, no, that's amazing. And I think, you know, I mean, generally it's, like you said, Anna, it's just the door to open. And most people, when you're a kid, you see what is viscerally in front of you, people on stage. And then once you're in that world, you realize, oh, there's not just that. There's this and that and that and all the backstage and the administration and the and that sort of thing. So, in, essentially, no matter what pathway they come into performing arts, if they're more inclined into doing other careers, it's it's and also again coming back to the discipline of ballet. Ballet is a by nature a, dis, a, a disciplined art. So that kind of discipline then gets applied to another craft as they develop forward. So it's super cool. And has any of your kids gone anywhere else other than, did you say one was in the UK? Have they gone, or they mostly have gone to America? They mostly go to America. Joel went to and graduated from English National Ballet School. So he was there for three years. Actually, he ended up there for four years because of COVID. So after graduation, there was, um, that was in 20, he graduated in 2020, which was the worst, I think, for everybody that graduated from anything in 2020. So then he was there for another year. But now he's transitioned to the States. And now my, uh, another one of my daughters, Lavender, is um, headed to the UK in September. She's also going to English National. So, um, so, that, so she'll, she'll be in London in September and we're working on that visa now. But Michelle, who's 14, says she's going to uni in Korea. So I think we're just starting, but we're, there is a global takeover plan. Uh, it sounds they, like uh, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she's going she really likes K-pop, so um, and she has straight A's. And I'm like, you know, if, if you want, if you can get into a school in Korea, I'm in. I, I don't, I don't know. I've never been to Seoul, but I'm interested. So let's do this. You're gonna have the best company in about 15, 20 years when all these people are just lighting designers, physiotherapists, CEOs. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And uh, yeah, my life when they, um, the littlest one, Marcelino's 11. When he graduates from college, I'm just gonna spend my 40s and 50s going to see all of them all over the world, and it'll be that's it. Blast. Con- a constant round the world ticket that you have to keep buying. Exactly. <laughs> we got to get someone from Australia on that side just because, uh, yeah, it's a little, we're not there yet, but I- I'll work on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think at some point you you mentioned something important that it's uh, what they bring back. They go out with like this person that wanted to be the CEO. Um, they go back to their communities, and I imagine like even the the little kids that are dancing and staying there, and then they go back to their own neighborhoods, like whatever neighborhood they're at right now. And uh, that conversation, I don't know if you get to see some of that impact. First, they're absolutely the most incredible people because they can do this, even the little ones. It's amazing to me watching how one minute they're at my house where we have everything we need and most of the stuff that we want, but it's, it's still fairly simple. But then the next minute they are meeting the U.S. ambassador to Kenya and ha at a fine dining dinner at some fundraiser in America or wherever. And they are using the right forks and the all the frou-frou and they are amazing. And then the next minute they're back in Kibera, um, one of the biggest slum in, in East Africa where a lot of them come from. And they're eating ugali with their hands, with their family. And there's no judgment. There's no, they do it all and they do it so gracefully. And um, it's, that is the little, they're just little chameleons. They're just incredible like that. And that's where their story is. I, if any of them want to write books or anything someday, I think they have a perspective that none of us will really be able to understand or, or compare because um, they do it all. They, yeah, they're just across the board. So when they go back to their communities, it's, amazing to watch them transform back into those people but still taking what they've gotten from their travels around the world and from everything else um with them and yeah i think i i know that when they go back there that they're kind of like superstars it's, it's a little much at times but uh they there they, there's little kids that i mean they just have hordes of people following them and they want to hear all about it and they go they go back multiple times a year um for And it depends every, with all my kids, it's up to them. They can, if they want, Joel, he doesn't go and stay at home when he comes back from, from America. He stays with me every night, but he goes and has like dinner with his mom and then he comes home. Um, they don't have showers or, or toilets or anything like that. So it, he's, he's kind of not spoiled. I mean, that's pretty normal stuff to have, but, uh, yeah, he's not staying without a shower anymore. I don't think. But then, other, then others of my kids go back home for two or three weeks when they want to and, um, during school holidays and, So it's really 100% up to them what they decide to do when they go back. I know that their families are just in awe of all the experiences that they have. And it's very inspiring to other kids that, you know, get involved in the arts, get involved with something because you never know where it'll take you. All of all of my kids came into the program because of talent. I'm sure it's inspiring to, to their local neighborhoods. And then as Anna was saying, once everyone comes back in, I don't know, 10 years from now, you're going to have this very eclectic and at the same time, very well-formed community in a ballet company or dance company or mostly a community just giving back. My real goal personally outside of this is to have a professional company in Kenya. I, um, I love, I, well, I, I really enjoy teaching and, and I didn't know I was going to become a teacher. My passion is, is the big classical ballets. I've always loved them. Um, and I, uh, we've set a few of them here. We, we did a full length Romeo and Juliet. We've done the summer night's dream. We do Nutcracker every year. Right now we've got Cinderella coming up next month. So that's my thing is I really like the big ballets. And my goal is that by the time Joel retires, he's only 21 that he'll be able to do his last season here. So when he's 35 to 38, somewhere in there, he'll be able to come and do a season um, 
here uh, in Kenya professionally, but we'll see. That's a ways off. But yeah, if, if I have my physio and my lighting designer, and even if they're not back here permanently, they can come and guest and uh, support support the cause. And I think these guys are all going to give back. I, I would hope that, it, that you know, anybody that, even my students that are non, um, not living with me, just my normal, there's 85 members of the ballet company that are my closest students that I teach every day and in and out and that I create these ballets with. I hope all of them give back and have like taken at least that for me, even if they don't take, even if they don't have perfect technique, at least they know that they need to do something with their ballet for other people. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to the, the I guess, the, the perspective that you just mentioned before with your own kids but also those people in, in your classes, to have that range as a youth from where they've come from in certain slum areas all the way to, you know, meeting important people in the States. I mean, that's a very unique experience for anyone, right? Like not only just just to, to in, early in life to see that range of, of, of culture and experience and wealth versus poverty versus co- social construct. I mean, that's that's like you said, they'll be writing books in twenty years because it's it's a very unique experience that you're offering. So, like, it's, it's kudos to what you've built and developed there. It's really amazing. Oh, thank you. They, yeah, we get to do. Uh, we were just a week ago rafting up um in Sagana here in Kenya and they I mean the experiences that they have are more than I did um it's absolutely like amazing what we get what we get to do we're, we're planning um we're kind of an outdoorsy family we were planning a hike up Mount Kenya it takes five days it's the biggest mountain in Kenya and in August but that's right after they're all traveling to the states to train for four four or five weeks in July and then we're going to fly back climb Mount Kenya and then start school the next week and um yeah so I mean they their their lives are fascinating and I, I think it'll be really interesting to know them as adults. Oh my so, god I want to join the Mount Kenya gang. That sounds I, fun. I, I, I love hiking. Both of us hike and i I was sure we both both were like, oh this is just too good. We we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. It's such oh this place is so beautiful. That's what people also need to here is that Kenya is just the most incredible place. You, we have the most beautiful mountains. We have incredible lakes and rivers and the animals are amazing. So it's just so, even coming here for two weeks or 10 days, you can go into the slums and have your heart broken. And then you can go and be like hanging out with a lion 15 minutes later in the Nairobi National Park, right in the center of the city. We have a massive park um with all the, it's the only city that has to, that has a, a game like and that has game in the city and it's just uh yeah this place is it's unreal uh all the stuff you can do and the coast is the east the, the yeah indian ocean coast is just absolutely phenomenal as well but i i can't say enough good things about kenya it's just an amazing place awesome so what's your favorite thing about your job in terms of I mean, it probably would be hard to name about it, name it, but we always ask this question. So tell us what the favorite, your most favorite thing is. Oh, wow. That's such a hard question. Um, I, I guess still my favorite thing is, is the performance aspect, probably. I love watching the kids light up on stage and watching, um, watching the development, like something like Nutcracker that we do annually and watching a little kid go from being a mouse now that I've been here for now that we've done eight years of Nutcracker, um, 
watching somebody go from a mouse to a soldier to a snowflake to a sugar plum fairy. Um, I love that about ballet, that developmental aspect. And you watch them develop as people the same way with other teachers um, and other coaches. You often only have them for a year or two. You have your math teacher in seventh grade and in eighth grade, you have a new math teacher. But with my students and with my kids that I teach, I get them when they're, I I start teaching them when they're seven. I don't teach the baby babies, but I I get them when they're seven or eight years old. And then when they graduate, when they're 18, they're my people. And um, even, even kids that don't live with me, I, I end up WhatsApping. I have a student, Annabelle Shaw, who's in Australia that I, she does all of my social media for artists for Africa. Now she's 21, 22 and Joel's best friend. She's in Oz. And another one of my students, Kayla, who's in university, Kayla Hotz. Um, she does all the tutoring and all of the stuff for the kids in, that live with me for, with my kids. And she still does that from South Africa. And like, those are kids that I taught for eight years. And they're, I watch them go from little tiny little kids to these beautiful women who are now, you know, part of my life and, and true friends. And yeah, I think that's my favorite part is that it's long-term with ballet. It's not, yeah, it's not one year and then they're gone. It's they, these people are in my life forever. That is super beautiful. So what's one thing that you changed either about your job or the industry? If I was a magician, I would change the competitive nature of ballet probably because there's still all the, I mean, there's still body issues. We don't have that here in Kenya, but then the second people leave, they get hit in the face with how, if you don't look a certain way, if you're not exactly the right size, I'm tall, I'm really tall. So I had a lot of problems with that being five foot 10, like that, that side of ballet is still there. And I don't think it's going anywhere, unfortunately, even though people try, it's healthier, but um you know, you're still supposed to be five foot six and a certain weight and look a certain way. And that stinks. Um, so I, I guess if, yeah, if I could do anything, that's, that's what I would change is just that, that, that thing about ballet that makes people feel insecure instead of secure, which is the, the opposite. And just that competitive, there's just not enough jobs. And then to get these jobs, you need to look an exactly certain way. Here in Kenya, we don't really have those issues because I don't really discuss that. I, it's just not part of the training here. I don't, I don't have time or like it. But then I know when the kids leave, all of a sudden you get hit in the face with uh, the guys wishing they were a little bit taller or the girls wishing their legs were a little bit longer or whatever it is. And then these beautiful dancers, and this happens all over the world, go from being confident performers to insecure 20 somethings that yet have just been kind of broken by, by, by this system. So I really wish I could change that, but I I don't see it changing, unfortunately. So how would people help Artists for Africa reach out to you, ask you questions? Tell us how people could contact to you uh, if they would like to. The, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Artists for Africa. Um, you'll actually be talking to Annabelle, that student that I said uh, is in Australia, but she gets to me every single day. And um, definitely social media. Info at artistsforafricausa.org is our email address. You can find me on um, Facebook or Instagram, Cooper Rust. And, yeah, anybody can reach out. Um, we're really trying to grow. A lot of our funding still comes out of South Carolina. We have some good grants from here in Kenya and, and a big grant from the UK. But um, if yeah, if there are any aspiring uh, philanthropists out there who also love ballet and wanted to do a fundraiser or 
come and visit. Um, we've got a group of university students coming from East Carolina University in May to come and volunteer. That we, I love people to come. Really, it's a very open and uh, with yeah, would love for people to get involved. So just get in touch. Amazing! I just followed you. Yay! <laughs> <And it's okay. laughs> Thank you so much. I hope to get to Kenya one day, but good luck with the hike. Well, thank you all so much for giving me this platform. It's uh, it's really cool to talk about and um, to be heard. And um, I really, I really appreciate y'all's interest. Theater at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only thirty-eight U.S. dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.